0: Welcome back to the podcast. You're listening to Blue Skies and Green Pastures with Paula Adams. The following podcast episode was uh, made for another podcast that I have called Love Thy Neighbor. And I'm trying to help people switch over to the new podcast. But I'm afraid that that's not happening, so I'm going to continue to post podcast episodes in both in both locations. So for people who are not regular podcast listeners and they just found me because you're one of my friends or something, um, it, it can be a little bit confusing. So I don't want to lose you because I really do want to keep on putting out episodes that I think are important. So in the meantime, I'll keep sharing them in both locations. If you can find my other podcast, you know, and subscribe there, then you may get double double the episodes. You may get duplicates. But uh, eventually, um, I will have to make a decision if I'm going to keep sharing them in both places. So anyway, today's podcast is about worldview, and I actually recorded this um, on the 23rd. i didn't put or the 22nd or 23rd and then i didn't put it out until today and after i recorded this i listened to someone else's podcast and it was it was kind of uh, gratifying to hear some of the same things that i said in this podcast were being said on that podcast so i think i'm on the right track with this stuff so i hope you will Give it a listen and uh, let me know if you like it. And please share and keep listening. And thank you so much for your support. Welcome back to Love Thy Neighbor. I'm your host, Paula Adams. Today is... April 4th, I think, 2022, and today we're going to talk about something I think is really interesting, and I hope you will too. So let's just jump right in. What is worse than someone taking away your freedom? Well, I would say that it is someone who takes away your freedom and then claims that they're doing it for your own good. What do we call these people? Sometimes we call them buddinskis, or do-gooders, or democrats, or progressives, or any number of things, any number of names for people who think that they know what's best for us. Instead of taking care of their own business, they decide to meddle in other people's affairs. Well, today we're going to talk about some specific dangerous do-gooders, and they are the progressives. So I'm going to tell you about a man you've probably never heard of before. He was both an economist and a social reformer, and a Christian in his opinion, although I would say that he really did not understand Christianity at all. And he was a leader in the early progressive movement. His name was Richard T. Ely, and that is spelled E-L-Y. He was born April 13, 1854, and died October fourth, nineteen 1943, having lived a long life of 86 years. Now, Ely was born in a changing era it was the industrial age it was the age of great expansion in the economy and his family was not very well off but he was able to go to college and he ended up going for his master's degree or doctorate or whatever in Germany where I've noticed when I'm reading a lot of this history stuff, seems like a lot of bad ideas came out of Germany in the uh, late 1800s. So, what is progressivism? Well, progressivism arose in response to these economic and political changes that were happening. Um, You know, there was a, a lot of inequality there was people were getting very rich and other people were losing their jobs and there was poverty there was cities were growing and there were poor people there were just all kinds of stuff was happening during that time period and you know human nature being what it is certain people are more prone to try to jump in and take control and try to fix things and make them the way they think they should be. And sometimes that works out and sometimes it doesn't. So the danger of these do-gooders is that they forget that people need free will to make choices, to act in their own best interest. And if they are given the full information and they are not hindered from their actions, if they're not preventing, prevented from acting in their best interest by laws, licensing, fees, regulations, or um, basically other ways that keep people from doing the things that they would do for themselves if they could such as not being having equal access to um, education good education and various things like that well if man has if, if people have the free will and unhindered access to acting on their free will normally they will Unless there's, you know, something wrong with them. Maybe they have, you know, low intelligence or they're disabled or whatever. And I'm not talking about those people. Those people do need extra help. I'm talking about your average normal person, uh, given the opportunity that has, and they haven't had this uh, drive stamped out of them in various ways, like, a large portion of the population has nowadays, um, they will get out there and they will want to do whatever they need to do to get what they want in life. Well, thanks to the progressives and their do-gooder policies, a lot of that drive has been eliminated. Um, so, my theory, or my belief is that when you, and I actually have found this to be true in my personal life, is that there are people who don't want to act in their best interest and they will make excuses why they don't. And whenever a do-gooder comes along to, quote, help them, these people will just take advantage of the do-gooders and they will... Sure, they're going to take the free handout. They're going to take whatever is being offered. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they are going to apply it to their situation. And, you know, there's always going to be some people who do and some people who don't. But as government has grown bigger and bigger and as social programs have expanded, 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 I think we can see that the balance of how many people are actually being helped by these programs is becoming less. And they also have an effect of making people get trapped in the system. And even in personal relationships, there is a personality that that just wants someone to feel sorry for them and and they just want someone to complain to, and they will literally lie to you about the causes of their problems so that, so that you won't know that they are actually creating their own problems. You're going to feel sorry for them. You're going to be giving them money, sympathy, going out of your way to try to help them out. And all along, you don't know that when you're not around, they are actually sabotaging their own lives. So if you're a do-gooder, I urge you to try to be more wise. And, and if you see someone that is actually just taking advantage of your tendency to want to help people, you need to cut them off. Because if you help someone who really does not want help and they just want to use you, then you're actually hurting that person because you're enabling them. You're enabling them to not take responsibility for their own lives. And I used to be an enabler like that. So I do have some experience with this. Uh, But back to the topic of dangerous do-gooders. So I already told you that um, people will act in their best interest or their self-interest when given the chance. Well, some of the progressives did not believe that to be the case. They literally rejected all traditional economic theories up until that point. The type of economic theories that we had working up until this point were called laissez-faire. In other words, you know, people will do what's best for them. And That's also called free market economics. In other words, if Bob the farmer is selling carrots, then he will set a price for them. But if the price is too high, not very many people are going to buy the carrots. So the power of the people is to not buy Bob's carrots and to go buy some carrots from someone else who has a better price. So that's a free market where you have the option to set your own prices and you have the you have the a selection of people offering the goods. Well, what happens in, when the government gets involved in the economy is you actually end up with monopolies, reduced op, re- reduced number of people selling, and eventually uh, they all happen to be selling at the same price. So we kind of have that right now with, say, um, cell phones, right? Um, and cell service. I mean, everyone is paying a lot for cell phones and cell service. I mean, you really need... You, we need more competition, but you're not going to get it. And that's for the reason that there's, uh, there's so many regulations, and it's just gotten really complicated for anyone to do business in a big market like that. I mean, you can't compete. One of the things you can't compete with is the buying power of these huge corporations. They're able to buy at such a high volume Whereas if you went out and opened a company, you wouldn't be able to get that volume price. And, and you're, you would have to sell your item at a higher price in order to make a profit. So that's why extra large companies are a bad idea. But as long as the market to open a business is not hindered by such things as laws and regulations... And more people are able to get out there and start a business, and you have more choices in the market. So, Richard back to um, progressives. Richard Ely believed in the social gospel. Okay, so I'm going to tell you more about how the social gospel evolved into the progressive policies during this time period, and um, is basically the foundation for the current progressive policies that are obviously no longer based on any type of religious beliefs. But at this time, Richard Eli's beliefs in progressivism were based on his religious beliefs. But I would tell you, as a Christian that his religious ideas were based on a false interpretation of the Bible. Here's a quote from him. This is what he says about um, what the role of Christianity is in the world. He says, Christianity is primarily concerned with this world, and it is the mission of Christianity to bring to pass here a kingdom of righteousness and to rescue from the evil one and redeem all our social relations. So another word for that is kingdom now theology. And that's, that's going on even in today's world. But so he was one of the early people who believed that you could create heaven on earth and that it was the job of the church to save every person and create a utopian world here on earth. Uh, he believed that the church was responsible for healing, feeding, clothing, and educating our fellow man, not by traditional charity means, but by using the force, the coercive force of government and social science. He blended politics, economics, and religion. He rejected the uh, limited government that the founders had wanted, and he proposed a much more powerful and morally guided institution of government. In other words, the elimination of the separation of church and state. He even believed that the church, the Christian church, should reform other countries and redeem the whole world in a system of world federalism. So you could say that if you are familiar with James Corbett, that's where I first heard about this, this Richard Ely guy. And as Corbett says, Ely was the original technocrat. He believed in, or one of them, uh, Technocracy is governing the world by experts. And Ely definitely considered himself an expert on these subjects and thought that, you know, if everyone just did everything he thought was best, we could have this perfect world. He was what you would call a dangerous do-gooder because he just assumed that his his vision was going to be accepted by all, and if it wasn't, it would be forced on them. And those are the most dangerous kind of people. Um, his utopian fantasy did not work out so great, though, when the Depression hit. After the Depression and the implementation of the New Deal, Ely tried to distance himself from what he considered radical policies he was shocked by the fact that um his utopian world was not actually coming into play and um his he had trusted that the triumph of reason over human passion was going to you know eventually come into come into play so i would say that Ely showed a true lack of understanding of why Christ had to come and die for our sins. It's because the normal, the natural man is never going to triumph over human passion. So this may sound like a contradiction to what I said about acting in our own best interest, but that I'm talking about That's an economic concept. Right now, I'm talking about a religious concept. And Ely tried to blend these two concepts. He forgot that not every person is a Christian. So you can't treat the whole world the way you treat Christians because Christians have been born again. We are not like other people. We are literally, fundamentally, constitutionally, spiritually changed by the Holy Spirit living inside of us. So people who are not Christians, who are not saved, and don't have the Holy Spirit, they are still controlled by the flesh. Now, yes, they they can have some... Um, under you know very under good understanding of right and wrong and they can be controlled by guilt or shame or the desire to look good or the desire for people to like them or the desire to be a good person but deep down they're not truly they're not saved they're not transformed and they don't have the power of the spirit inside of them, to actually control their passions. So when things get tough, it could go either way. And um, that's why when a Christian becomes a Christian, and he goes through the sanctification process, this is when he learns to daily submit to God's authority, and submitting to God's authority is not the same as submitting to the government's authority. They are they are not the same. So, the only do-gooder, the only good do-gooders, are those who recognize that the law could not save man from himself. So, the do-gooders who try to help people must let them... Deal with their human weaknesses must make them deal with their human weaknesses. that's why uh, welfare programs must require something in return, or they will just become people will just become dependent on them and for people who who literally can't work, that does not apply. but for people who can work they they should be expected to work and that's why uh, welfare programs are so problematic is 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 human nature is to get whatever you can for free <laughs> so since we can't be saved by the law or the progressive coercive laws God offers His grace and the transforming power of His Holy Spirit to all who will believe in His Son's life, death, and resurrection. And only through Jesus can we make the the right choices um, in life that are not just based on selfish interest, but are based on right and wrong. So, when it comes to economics um yes, it is you know it is not a bad idea for people to care about righteousness you need you need righteousness and and that would make the world a better place. My point is that you cannot legislate righteousness, and that was what Ely was trying to do, and that's what other progressives try to do. And they they really believe that they can do that. They really believe that with enough education, secular education, that they can create this perfect world. And that people who refuse to go along with their education, um, I don't know. They don't really say what they're going to do with those people. I think we know what they're going to do. They're going to arrest you. So even though they they love to talk about, you know, justice and everything, their justice does not include people who don't believe in the same things that they believe in. And we can see that in such situations as this battle over what children should be taught in public schools. You know, Uh, we see that there is a difference in beliefs, and therefore schools need to stop trying to indoctrinate children in in this progressive beliefs. But the progressives have been in control of the schools since the beginning. And by the way, they they got their ideas from the Germans. Uh so you know, anytime you mix in the government and enforcing uh Ideologies, you get in trouble. So, because do-gooders fail to acknowledge God's ideology. They fail to acknowledge the need to be controlled by God, the need to accept Jesus. They fail to, um, you know, we have separation of church and state for a reason, because we don't want uh, the religion of someone else being forced on us by law. But the thing is, progressivism is a religion. It was started based on these religious beliefs, and then it became a religion of its own. And it is the beliefs that these people hold are held just like religious beliefs. And now we have progressive Christianity, which is um, blending these beliefs of social justice and the social gospel directly into the church. So <laughs> it, first it started out with an economist blending in his religious beliefs into the government. And now it's the church blending the government's beliefs into the church. And, you know, it's not good. So progressivism is simply one more false religion based on the idolatry of self and the rejection of God's authority. Um so when it comes to do-gooders, we we all know what they say, you know. Well, the means justify the ends. But the fact is that that the ends really don't turn out very good. And we can look at various policies and see that their their programs always end up in growing the government. The government does not get smaller thanks to, you know, what they claim is that, oh, well, these programs are going to help people. And they're going to become more self-sufficient. But that's not what happens. Instead, the government needs more programs to help them more and to help new in new ways. And instead of people becoming more self-sufficient and independent and able to provide for themselves, the more the progressives get their way, the more dependent people become, which is human nature. And thanks to the internet and the ability to spread pop propaganda daily, um, people don't even question these progressive ideas anymore. They are accepted as, quote, gospel. So that's why I decided to do this podcast, because I was really hoping that people would think about the fact that these ideas are fairly recent. They have only been around for, like, 170 years, that's not that long. But unfortunately, um, they have spread along with the spread of technology, along with the spread of, of all kinds of inventions has come, the spread of the control of the technology, the control of information. I found a really interesting uh, article yesterday and it was about how it was written in the 1886 and it was it was criticizing the habit of the working class man the working man be, beginning to read the newspaper every day and it rightly explained that reading these um these articles that were exactly like the stuff that people read online, that these, um, this daily entertainment was not doing anything to actually educate or improve the lives of the, the working class. Instead, it was making them dumber and keeping them, keeping them from, uh, you know, moving up in the world. Well, hmm, maybe that's the idea. Maybe that's, exactly what the plan was let's keep these people entertained and tell them and it talked about how the the articles were greatly embellished and they didn't they barely contained any truth and that no one cared as long as they were uh titillating and interesting and exciting and that you know anything that was actually educational nobody would read it because all they wanted was to be titillated. Well, I think we know what they're talking about, right? We're talking about that dopamine hit that people get when they click and they scroll. Except that this was being done in with the advent of newspaper reading. So this is this happened in 1886, or you know, the in the mid 1800s more and more people were starting to read the daily newspaper and and we see it now in 2022 the same kind of thing the dumbing down of the public with with fake stories and embellished and you know and like he said in the article <clears throat> and this article it was kind of hard to read he used a lot of big words and long sentences and i was like wow i feel kind of dumb reading this article like i need to go start reading some harder harder to read you know literature because it was written at a higher reading level than the the information that i have been consuming lately and i realized that my own vocabulary has suffered from a lot of, you know from reading too many articles online and some of those articles are not even dumb articles. They're just they're just not at the same high quality of literacy that was expected in the past. But uh, he said, "What did he say?" Um, oh, oh, I'm sorry, I cannot remember what where I was going with that. But basically, it was about how, um, just newspaper reading was a bad habit. (laughs) That was what it was called. The newspaper habit and, and its effects. So, um, I, I have a link for that on my most recent blog article, which I forgot to mention that my blog is blueskiesandgreenpastures.com and you can read a lot more articles there. This is uh, the, lattest, the last one that I just published today was called Hate the Rich, Save the Planet. And it talks about narratives that are put out to control the public and to, you know, just... To influence our our thinking so I hope you'll go check out my blog that's one way that you can support my work because um, you don't even have to buy anything but actually clicking on the articles and having those um, ads pop up I get you know I get credit from Google of course you would laugh if you realize that. I mean, I literally have not made a single dollar off of Google from my ads, but you never know. It's a, it's a dream, right? Um, another way you can help support my efforts to get out what I consider to be interesting and important information is by going to Patreon. And I think I'm PK Adams on Patreon, or it might be Blue Skies and Green Pastures. And you can find my button for Patreon also on my blog, Blue Skies and Green Pastures. So anyway, if you want to know more about Richard Ely, you can look him up on Wikipedia and click on some of the links in that article. And just remember that he was a leader in the progressive movement and he was also a leader in the social gospel movement. And he actually, uh, that someone tried to throw him out of the college where he was teaching and, because they said he was a socialist. But he, he said, no, no, I'm not a socialist. I'm, I'm a progressive, you know. So whereas today, many of us who consider ourselves conservatives, we don't see much difference between socialists and progressives. They did see a difference. But obviously, they were blind to the fact that both policies have the same ending, which is government becoming huge and people losing their freedom. So thank you again for listening, and God bless you, and I hope you have a wonderful afternoon. Bye now.